Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The 2 1. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here's Kevin Green. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Well, hello there again. Thanks for finding the Powers on Sports Podcast on your various podcast platforms. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in Tampa, Florida. And we've got another great episode for you coming up this week. We've got two great interviews. We're going to interview Roy Cummings. Roy covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for PewterPirates.com. Roy's a longtime reporter in and around the NFL. He's also covered the Tampa Bay Lightning, all things Tampa Bay sports. Big sports fan Roy is. We're going to talk to Roy about the NFL, about the epic Bucks-Brady reunion up in Foxborough this Sunday night. We're also going to talk to Vince Ferrara from 99.1, the sports animal up in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're going to talk some college football. We're going to talk the SEC. We're going to talk some national storylines, Clemson struggles, and lots of good stuff in the college football world. So before we get to Roy and Vince, just give you a couple notes on a couple things. As I predicted, and as you will hear in our interview, Richard Sherman has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A big move for the Buccaneers to get some reinforcements in the secondary. They've been ravaged by injury in the secondary so far this NFL season. So we'll see if Richard Sherman uh, can make an impact for the Buccaneers. Probably will play this Sunday up in New England. How about Justin Tucker? 66-yard field goal at the gun in Detroit last Sunday. What a kick. Off the crossbar, I mean, they got a break with the no delay a game call for Baltimore. Baltimore just converted a fourth and 19, so give Lamar Jackson credit for the completion. But they got a huge break when the, with the no call on the delay a game just prior to the field goal kick. But Justin Tucker, 66-yard new NFL record, and the Lions are just snake-bitten. These guys figure out a way to lose. Every week, but give Detroit credit. They're playing much better, much more uh, competitive under Dan Campbell so far. So I do think Detroit will beat some teams this year that people don't think they'll beat. So keep it up, Dan Campbell. Good job there. Dallas Cowboys, Monday Night Football looked really good. Destroying the Philadelphia Eagles. I think think you're seeing a very balanced offense out of Dallas. Philadelphia, I think it's going to be a long year up in Philly. Last thing I want to hit on. The Major League Baseball regular season ends on Sunday. We got some great wild card races in both leagues. It's going to go right down to the last day. Wouldn't be surprised if there's a one-game playoff. You might even have a couple of one-game playoffs for division titles as well. Dodgers-Giants potentially. Phillies-Braves potentially. Or you could have a wild card situation where three teams are tied for two wild card spots. You may need to have a playoff game. So... Uh, will be a very exciting weekend in the major in the 
in the in the National League, American League, Yankees, Red Sox, Seattle, vying for spots, Philly and Atlanta, Dodgers, Giants, who's trying to avoid the wild card game. Wild card games early next week. We're gonna have we're gonna have a baseball spot next week on the podcast as well, previewing the the MLB playoffs, so stay tuned to that. But up next, Roy Cummings talking all things NFL, followed by Vince Ferrara with some college football talk for you on the Powers on Sports podcast. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. And now a word from our podcast sponsor, Titan Home Lending. For all of your home financing needs anywhere in the state of Florida, whether it's a purchase or a refinance, reach out to Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. Titan Home Lending is based in Tampa, Florida. We can help you with FHA, conventional, renovation loans, jumbo loans, and virtually anything in between. So reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. Down here in Tampa, Florida, we have a big week of uh, football in the NFL and college football. And our first guest this week is Roy Cummings. Roy is a longtime uh, reporter for the that covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the NFL, all things uh, Tampa Bay sports. Roy uh, presently is uh, providing content for PewterPirates.com. And welcome back to the podcast, Roy. Thanks for having me, Jason. I appreciate it. Cool. Great. All right. Before we get to the to the to the epic showdown in Foxborough this week, let's do a quick little review. Week three of the National Football League is in the books. The Buccaneers go to LA. They lose kind of the the the, the, uh, the premium matchup of the week. Uh, they go down 34-24. Probably wasn't that close. A very impressive performance by Sean McVay, uh, Stafford and company. Just your general thoughts of the Bucks Rams game. Yeah, obviously disappointed in the play of the defense. You know, I tweeted out very late in the game that uh, here we are near the end of this game, and I've yet to see a defensive player for the Buccaneers make a play of any kind. Uh, and that was before Will, Will Golston uh, got his sack. But uh, so I guess uh, I stand corrected after that. But um, <laughs> no, really, I mean, just very disappointed in the play of the defense. I mean, look, the offense is the offense. It's going to hum no matter what. Uh, it, it, even if it's not humming, it's still going to score some points. Um, it's going to be a, you know, tough to stop, but the defense has got to play better. You know, let's face it. I think the Bucks have uh, spent three weeks playing adequate football, um, not good football necessarily. They've been a little sloppy, a lot of penalties. Um, defense has uh, obviously given up a lot of yards. Um, they got away with it against Atlanta, got away with it against Dallas. Not going to get away with it against teams like uh, LA. I, I don't think this defines them in any way. But it uh, just shows that there's some work to be done here before they they really hit their stride. Now, the offense, I think, has hit stride. I mean, you saw one thing I really liked is that uh, as soon as Rob Gronkowski goes out uh, briefly, thankfully, with a, an injury, uh, looks like it, you know, it might have been ribs, back, whatever. But uh, in, the, in the interim, you just throw the ball right to Cameron Brayton, you throw the ball right to O.J. Howard. They could lose a player there, as we've long thought, and be fine. They can lose a receiver like Antonio Brown, going to be fine. Running backs aren't working that well. They can still score points. They've got to be able to stop somebody else from scoring. Uh, no, absolutely. I think 
Again, I don't know if the, if the result of the game would change yesterday, but when Jamel Dean dropped the interception early in the first quarter, right in his hands, you know, it just kind of it didn't give you a good sign of things to come. And obviously the Bucs got depleted in the defensive backfield. Jamel Dean went out injured. They, they were already without Murphy Bunning. Is this an area where you think that's going to be the biggest area that needs to come along as the defensive backs? And maybe as a guy like Richard Sherman, there's been some chatter about maybe Richard Sherman comes in the mix at some point in the, in the Bucs secondary. Yeah, look, we all knew that uh, from the very start that this, this was an area that still had to be watched. You look, they came along really well second half last season. Guys like Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy, Bunning made a lot of nice plays. Uh, Carlton Davis III, you know, he's made, he's made a lot of nice plays. But consistently over the course of 17 games, can these guys hold up against really elite-level passing attacks? Uh, yesterday was an indication they can't. Even against Matt Ryan, they struggled. Right. Um, I think this unit is going to struggle. It's very hard to play cornerback uh, safety in this league. Um, look, when the pass rush isn't working, as it didn't yesterday, not sure it really has all that much this year, uh, that secondary is going to get exposed. So a couple things have to happen here. Uh, pass rush has got to be better. Look, they're, they're blitzing. They're, they're, I, I don't know what the next-gen stat is, but uh, there is a next-gen stat out there that has the Bucks in the top five in the league in terms of blitz attempts. So they're trying to get there. Uh, might be an indication that they know that they're not getting there with the front four, so they're blitzing. Uh, it's worked on a couple of occasions, but uh, until that really starts to be effective, uh, secondary is going to be in trouble. So, um, you know, a guy like Richard Sherman brings an awful lot to a team like this. He's hungry, wants to play, certainly capable, and just the knowledge that he would bring these guys, I think it would be a smart move to bring in, if it's not Richard Sherman, someone like him. If there's a veteran out there who's willing to do this, uh, they've already moved the money around, uh, right. re restructuring uh, right. Ali Marpet's contract. If you can find somebody that's willing to take two and a half, three million dollars, um, go get them because I think you're going to need them. No, I think you make a great point because Sherman's not going to go to a losing team at this stage of his career. He's going to come to a team that's in the mix for a, a championship. I think he'd be a good mix. He's got the pedigree, he's got the the swagger. I think there's something like you said. I think he would help a young guy, Jamel D, even a Carlton Davis, who's our best corner. I think he would be able to give him some just technical tips and just the, the, the lay of the land of the NFC that I think we could use. Even if it's just to, to throw them out there for a dozen plays yep. a game, uh, it's, it's something the defense has to think about, you, you know, right now. Yeah. They got to think about Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, but not to the degree that you think about Richard Sherman, right? As you're preparing for a game, if Richard Sherman comes in this week and, and Bill Belichick's preparing for this Sunday's game, you're saying to yourself, okay, what's this guy got left? What's the tape we're looking at? you know, best we can go on his last year. What did he look like? What do you look like the year before? Right. You got to expect that. Um, you can hope you're not going to get it, but if you do, uh, you could be in trouble if you test them. So you don't want to test them. So uh, just that, just to put that thought process into right. a, another coordinator's head, uh, not a bad move at all. So I, I'm all in favor of the idea. How worried are you about the running game? Just lackluster production. And, you know, it seems like Fournette's kind of stepped ahead of Ronald Jones now because, Jones's inability to, you know, pass protection, things like that. What, what are your thoughts on the running game? Yeah, I think it's time to stop penalizing guys for not protecting the passer well, because let's face it, they've all had their, their turn here uh, <laughs> missing an assignment. So right. it's time to get Ronald Jones out of the doghouse. Let him run the ball. He's your best running back. Use him. Use him, effect, use him regularly. And uh, let's get back to getting 150 yards out of the running game. You've got to start doing that. You can't let this you can't force this line to kind of stand up constantly 
uh, and protect Tom Brady. It's not going to work consistently. You've got to give him a running game. He's always had a running game. Uh, Giovanni Bernard looks fine coming out of the backfield when he catches the ball. He's had a couple of drops. But look, your best running back is Ronald Jones. Use him. All right, before we get to the Bucks patriots preview, let's do a little jump around the league, a few topics around the league. Obviously, we're through three weeks. Let's start with the rookie quarterbacks. Wilson, Lawrence, Trevor, uh, I mean, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. They've all had some growing pains. Justin Fields was, the Bears offense was historically bad yesterday. I think net 47 yards of offense. I mean, that's hard to do. I don't care who's playing quarterback. You know, just your thoughts, general thoughts about the rookie quarterback so far. Yeah, I'll tell you what. It's so, you know, it's like a kid at Christmas. He wants to wrap, unwrap that toy and start playing with it right away. I get it. But boy, oh boy, in the NFL, this is not a toy from Mattel. This is, these are real people. They've got a lot of learning to do. Uh, the Justin Fields thing, I know the people in Chicago want to see him play. Andy Dalton's not the long-term answer. But do you want to be competitive this year? Let the guy sit on the sidelines for, for a few weeks here. Justin Fields isn't ready. Uh, the Bears aren't ready. Right. We may be finding out that the Bears aren't ready. And, and there's really nothing worse for a young quarterback to go to a team, a team that isn't ready. The Jets aren't ready. Um, I like what they're doing in San Francisco. Let the kids sit on the bench. You, I know the fans there are, are, are clamoring for a change already. Not sure why. Um, that game wasn't lost by the quarterback. Let's not forget Jimmy Garoppolo did his job last night, brought the team back. This is not the time to go to the kid. Um, I'm never, I've never been a fan of going to these kids early. Uh, most teams are struggling as a result of it. You see them in their second year, they look a little bit better. They look a whole lot better in their third and fourth. Um, I think you got every one of these teams is making a mistake going to these guys so soon. Uh, you're not going to win consistently, maybe five, six games at best. Uh, I even doubt you see a, a team finish 500 with a rookie quarterback. So um, not, a, not, in fa- not in favor of it. And you know what? Bears got what they should have expected. Uh, yeah, Fields looks great on tape uh, in college, but this is the NFL. Uh, it's a Northwestern isn't football. walking through. Northwestern isn't walking through that door. Yeah, you know I'll, I'll never forget back in the day. One of the first games I covered as the Buccaneers beat writer for the Tampa Tribune back in the day was the Buccaneers going up, up against Donovan McNabb as a rookie. Right, and they made Donovan McNabb look awful. And we know Donovan McNabb became one of the best quarterbacks in the league over the course of time that he was in the league and uh on that day making his first start the Buccaneers made him look like he didn't belong in the league and you know what that's what good sound veteran defenses do they make rookies look like they don't belong and that's what's happening with a lot of these guys they'll have moments absolutely they'll have moments they'll look good for a while and and then they're going to look terrible but more often than not they're going to look terrible and your team's going to be terrible as a result um if you think it's so valuable to get him the snaps fine but then don't expect to be an eight eight and nine team now i guess is what it would be or a nine and eight team you're not going to win consistently with that rookie at quarterback it's highly unlikely speaking of great defensive coaches the bucks just honored monty kiffin a week or so back tell me your thoughts i know you work probably very closely with monty interviewed him talked to him on and off the record many many a times just give, give the audience a little perspective on monty kiffin <laughs> Oh man, it, it reminds me of the he's one he's the he's the mad professor type, you know, hair going everywhere, you know, uh, but very inspirational, always had an idea. And you know what? The best thing about Monty Kiffin was he knew exactly what he needed in the de- players that he put on his defense. Now, you know, he he should get the credit along with Tony Dungy for bringing the cover two defense to Tampa Bay. It's what made Tampa Bay so special. 
they perfected that defense. He and Tony Dungy here in Tampa uh, brought it with him from uh, Minnesota. Uh, very smart guys, knew exactly what they needed at every position. And that was really the strength there, is they knew exactly what kind of player they needed to play middle linebacker, outside linebacker, to play the three technique, to play on the end, to play at the strong safety and the free safety, to play a corner, to play in the nickel. They knew exactly what they needed. And Rich McKay went out and got him for him on a regular basis. Uh, didn't work so well with, uh, with Bruce Allen because Bruce Allen doesn't listen to anybody and uh, <laughs> didn't work there. So, but at the end of the day, Monty Kiffin, he deserves to be in the hall of fame, not just the mm. Buccaneers ring of honor. Wow. He deserves to be in the hall of fame. He is one of those coordinators who was smart enough. I've said this many times. I probably said it on your podcast as well, Jason. There are coordinators and then there are head coaches. And the most successful coordinators are not the guys who end up going and becoming head coaches. They're the guys who realize I'm a coordinator. Right. That's what I do. I'll stick with that. And Monty Kiffin knew what he did best, stuck with it. And I, I, I believe he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame as one of the great defensive coordinators in the game's history. Um, you know, you, you're often asked, you know, what is a Hall of Fame player or coach in this case? To me, a, a Hall of Famer is someone, can you write the history of the game without that person? You can't do that without Monty Kiffin. Right. Because the history of the game includes a good long stretch, a decade plus, almost two decades, where the cover two defense was the predominant defense played by teams in the NFL, at least four, three teams. And that cover two defense won, the, won a Super Bowl in Tampa and won a couple of Super Bowls in other places as well. Monty Kiffin was uh, one of the key architects of that, uh, of that defense. He was one of the guys who perfected. And uh, for that reason, Ring of Honor is not enough for him. Belongs in the Hall of Fame. That's a great, that's a great point. And people always think cover two, that it's a simplistic, very, very vanilla defense. It's not. I'm sure he was the master of coming up with little intricacies within the zone defenses. You know, he made a guy like Rondé Barber. If, he, if Rondé Barber's on another team, he might have been out of the league in four or five years because yeah. he wasn't a cover, he wasn't a man-to-man, really a great cover guy, but just what a smart cornerback, a perfect zone guy. Talk to me about, about all the little intricacies of that cover two. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's you know, look, cover two, for people who don't know it, what it means is the, the two safeties split the field in half, uh, right down the middle. You're, you're one the, the guy on the left's responsible for the left guy, and the right's responsible, responsible for the right. A lot of area, right? Well, the middle linebacker's job is to drop back and cover in the middle. So that, And the whole idea is to force a team to go 80-plus yards without making a mistake. Right. That's the key. A lot of people don't understand. The cover two is not a defense that's designed to shut you down in three plays. It's designed to shut you down and keep you from scoring points or, at the very least, give, give up a field goals. goal. Kick right. Field goal. You just don't want to give up touchdowns. It's a, it's a, in essence, a kind of a prevent defense that prevents against giving up big plays and what makes it difficult to play is you have to be very disciplined in it because you have to stay in your area yes it's a zone defense you have to stay in your zone if you're a safety and you see something leaking over towards the middle you have to trust that that middle linebacker is going to be there and cover his spot as a corner you've got to trust that when I give this guy up when I stop covering when he runs by me I can't go chasing him because that's going to open up something else underneath that the quarterback may throw. I've got to trust that my safety is going to be behind me and playing. Uh, it requires uh, tremendous pressure from the front four, not a lot of blitzing in the, in, in the four, three uh, cover two defense, but every once in a while you do, and you've got to have very mobile outside linebackers and obviously middle linebackers 
takes a certain kind of player to play it. Very disciplined, very smart. Yep. You got to know your keys. Can't tell you how many times I heard that from John Lynch. Got to know your keys. Absolutely. And it, it's, it, it's almost difficult to, it's not difficult to learn, but it's difficult to perfect because it can be monotonous. Right. One of the things the players, Ronnie Barber and John Lynch and uh, the guys, particularly in the secondary, used to complain about was they would do this on a regular basis, spend, you know, a good 30, 40 minutes every practice, just basically going through those keys, knowing where you are, where you're supposed to be on every play. And it becomes monotonous to do it over and over again. It's like, you know, if you ask somebody, okay, I need you to pick up a pencil, hold it the right way, and now make your U. Now make your W. Now make a Z. Imagine doing that every day for 30, 40 minutes. Right. Um, you know, it, you're like, why am I doing this? But it became such a part of your body language that you automatically, instinctively, without any hesitation, knew exactly where to go come Sunday because you did go through that every single day. And as monotonous as it was, it really paid off on Sundays. And uh, that's when you say, that's you know, when guys say about talk about putting in their work. In the cover two defense, that's where you're putting in your work is you just got to make sure that, you know, it's muscle memory. You've got to right. know exactly where am I going right. to go. When this quarterback drops back here. And looks like, what when am I formation, doing? Yep. When it's yeah. formationally and trips to the left, we do this double twins when the running back flares. I mean, all the little intricacies of any defense. And to think that Monty Kiffin had four Hall of Fame, probably going to have four Hall of Famers. Barber's probably going to get in here soon. Sat Brooks and Lynch. Yeah, Barber, you're gonna have four Hall of Famers from one defense. Yeah, exactly. And and you know Shelton Quarles was no uh, yep. uh, no I mean he was no slob either. And and let's not forget the Simeon Rice. Yeah. You know, look, uh, you know one of the great and this is not a knock on anybody, uh, so I won't even mention anybody. One of the great things about the cover two is you probably have to be fast and smart, better than talented, because yes, you need talent to play in. Right. But it's one of those defenses that at certain positions, strong side linebacker, safety, uh, certain corner positions, you can be just an adequate player um, and you, you can get the job done as long as you're disciplined enough, smart enough to follow your keys and know where to be when the ball is snapped and, and, and as the play is unfolding in front of you. As long as you're disciplined enough, you can play that defense. You don't have to be real speedy. Rondé Barber will probably admit that – in terms of athleticism on a scale of one to 10, he's probably an eight. All right. Maybe not a nine or a 10, but you could be a six or a seven in this defense and be exceptional. Rondé Barber is exceptional because he was smart and took advantage of the, the skill set that he did have. Yep. That's what, that's what the cover two did. It took advantage of certain players skill sets and it wasn't really adapting the, to the skill set. It was the player just basically knowing where to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great tribute there for mine. All right, let's get to some teams around the league. Our your friend, our former coach John Gruden out in Oakland, off or at Las Vegas now, off to a three and zero start. Two overtime wins, another overtime win over the weekend versus the Dolphins. Is this sustainable for the for the Raiders? I think they they. It looks like they've improved drastically on defense. Derek Carr playing very well at the quarterback position. You think it's sustainable? Yeah, I do. Uh, and the reason I believe that is what. You you just mentioned uh, they're better on defense and look I believe a lot in Mike Mayock if he's allowed to do what he's supposed to do in terms of building that team he's going to bring in players who uh, who can play and you're seeing it out of Crosby now you're seeing it out of the linebackers you're starting to see it a little bit 
with the defense. They're still giving up, giving up some points, but you know what? Uh, Carr is as good as there is, and they've got some really intriguing young receivers. Yes. Pass, I'll just say pass catchers because that young tight end is exceptional. Yep. Um, not sure the running game is going to be good enough, but in that division and in that conference, I, I think they can, I they can make some noise. Uh, the way things are going right now, uh, Kansas with Kansas City, look, it's kind of up for grabs. And they've, they've got a lot of momentum. One of, the, one of the things that's very important in the NFL early on, you don't want to start off one and one, one and two. If you're three and oh, you've got momentum. Yep. And look, they've taken advantage of some mistakes on other teams. Good for them. Uh, won a game or two, maybe they shouldn't have won. Uh, been fortunate. But you know what? When the ball bounces your way, take advantage. A lot of teams out there can't take advantage. Right now, they're taking advantage. So right now you got to give them all the respect uh, that a uh, 3-0 record should uh, warrant them and uh, say, hey, uh, they're, they're, they're a team to be feared right now. I agree. And they're winning all the close games. They've won, they're winning all the close games. And every year, one, two, one or two of these kind of teams go on a run where they win all the close games. They get the turnover. They win the margin of, of, of turnover battle. And it's just, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think they can make the playoffs. I definitely do. And it'd be, it'd be a good story for the league for the Raiders to be back in the mix for sure. Especially in Las Vegas. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about the huge winning in San Francisco last night for Green Bay. What a drive at the end by Rodgers. Again, we made the comment Garoppolo did, did, did great. The only thing you can maybe quibble about, they scored too early there at the end. He didn't use enough of the clock. He, they had timeouts and maybe they could have burned a little bit more of that time. You know, obviously you always want to score a touchdown when you can score it, but what, what, a, what a drive by Rodgers at the end last night. Yeah, it really was. 37 seconds left in the game, no timeouts. Uh, you got to hope that your defense can somehow hold there, uh, and they couldn't. You know, that's 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 the counter argument to you scored too fast. When you say, "Well, you scored too fast," you're, you're kind of suggesting that we can score at will, right. that we can just control that. Well, it doesn't work that way. Not right. in the NFL for sure, right. and usually not in any uh, level of football. Uh, probably not even peewee, but uh, at the end of the day, you score when you can, and then you turn it over to your defense. Not a bad defense, but uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to have moments like this, and let's face it, he's motivated, and uh, he's motivated in, in a lot of ways, and you know, he said it a couple of years ago, infamously, uh, in essence, kind of reiterated it this year after the 0-1 start, relax, okay? <laughs> relax. Right. And when Aaron Rodgers says relax, People probably should take it to heart and say, yeah, you know what? Maybe we should relax because now take a look at them. They look pretty darn good. Uh, I, I look, is Green Bay good enough? Uh, they're good enough to win the division. Yes. You know, because the Lions are the Lions. Yes. Uh, Minnesota looks pretty good right now, but I don't really believe in uh, Kirk Cousins, a quarterback. I'm not sure the defense is going to be strong enough to hold up. Uh, the Bears are the Bears. They're, they're right. a mess. And, and right. the, the whole quarterback situation is, you know, we're going to be talking about Nagy being fired here pretty soon if we yes. aren't already. Um, so the Packers are the elite in the division. They should win it. At the very least, they should get to the playoffs as a wild card. Um, they, they just know that – I'm not sure there's a better quarterback who vocalizes it. I think Tom Brady and plenty of other quarterbacks know this. But nobody really vocalizes it better than Aaron Rodgers, like him or not. Um, the, what, what it means to be 0-1, 1-2, 2-4, 3-5. It's a long season. Yes. And again, in a division like that, where, you know, you've played one division game here. Have they played one? Uh, so, you know, you've still got all these division games left. Uh, when you're beating, beating San Francisco on the road, big uh, that's big huge stuff. Win. Huge yeah. win. So, 
uh, big wins when they need them. And you know what? That's what championship caliber teams do. Yep. And when you've got a championship caliber quarterback who's got a, a chip on his shoulder about something, ready to prove to the rest of the world that, hey, I deserve a little bit more in terms of whether it's money, power, control over the roster, take your pick. Um, it's, uh, he's got a lot, he's got a lot. He's got, there's a fire under that man. And right now you do not want to face the Packers with a fire under, uh, under Aaron Rodgers. And that throw he made to Devontae Adams on the first play of that drive over the middle linebackers fingertips about 35 yards down the field was unbelievable. And that kind of, that kind of win, that kind of victory fuels a team. Yes. It's like, you know what? That one zero and one start—it's so far in the past now. Like yep. nobody's even thinking about that. This yep. team is now thinking it can win the next eight straight. That's what they're thinking after that. What do you think when you see Ben Roethlisberger kind of declining the way he is in Pittsburgh? I, I hate to say it, but I'm not surprised. I thought one of the things I've really thought is that here's a team that needs to be ready and really think about the next, you know, Got the it. next guy. And they thought they could squeeze another, you know, year out of uh, out of Roethlisberger. Maybe they still can. Again, not a big fan of the of the division. Don't know if it's that tough. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from Cincinnati or Cleveland. Right. Uh, Cleveland in particular. Um, I still think there's a little. I still think that that Cleveland could falter, and 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 probably will at some point. That will allow Pittsburgh to get back in it. Um, Pittsburgh's got to do some things other than lean on Ben Roethlisberger here. Right. My concern is I'm not sure they have the talent to do it. Uh, I think defensively they're okay, um, but I'm not sure the running game is good enough. Right. And I, I think there's just some issues there. And right now you're leaning too much on a guy whose legs just probably don't have it to, to lean into. Um, I'd be a little bit concerned if I'm in Pittsburgh. It, it may be an ugly finish there. I'm not ready to say that just yet but it could be an ugly finish for Roethlisberger. And I'd hate to see that. And the problem is they don't have anywhere to go. You can't go to Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins. Not like they have a semi-competent backup where if you had to sit Roethlisberger down for a couple of weeks, just to let him rest, you really can't do that because you don't really have an adequate backup. Yeah. You know, we started off this uh, segment here talking about rookie quarterbacks and how I'm not a big fan of using them, but you know, if a year ago you'd have looked ahead a little bit, even this past draft, you look ahead a little bit, right. uh, bring in somebody, um, at least you got somebody that, as you said, can, you know, put him in there, you know, late in games where you're losing, uh, let him get some, uh, let him get some reps, see what he looks like. Um, I wouldn't be making the change just yet, but right. you're right right now. It's like the well's dry. So what do you turn to? You'd have nothing to turn to. And that's really, uh, that's, that's tough. No, you're right. No, you're right. Absolutely. All right, let's go to Kansas city one and two. The, the bad part about that is now they're, they're, they're two games behind Denver and in, in Las Vegas and not that that's a huge deal, but Mahomes has been a little bit, little bit more care, too carefree with the ball late in games. couple picks. He had a bad pick yesterday. The Baltimore pick last week. Any concern with Kansas City? Obviously, Andy Reid's had some health issues now that he's dealing with. Just And the defense is just not – I mean, they're not going to be a shutdown defense. They're going to be giving up 24 to 30 every week. Your thoughts on Kansas City? Yeah, this may sound like kind of a weak argument. Uh, not a big karma guy necessarily, but let's just face it. The, the karma there for the last, going back to late last season, hasn't been good. Right. Um, injuries, uh, some bad things happening inside the coaching staff. As you right. said, Andy Reid now with some health issues. Hopefully he's going to be all right. Um, they're just not focused, it seems. They just, they're, they're just not giving you their best yet. 
Uh, and but and that that's probably a good thing. Um, the fact that they're one and two again, we've talked about it. Not to be concerned because Patrick Mahomes, among young quarterbacks, has probably got that mentality as well as anybody. That Aaron Rodgers mentality of hey, folks, relax. Okay, it's one and two. It's not one and twelve. Um, let's not forget that. And I don't think it'll get to one and twelve. I think they're going to be okay, but they're going to have to do it possibly from within. And what I mean within within the locker room, because, you know, look, Andy Reid's a hell of a coach, got some darn good, uh, you know, disciples uh, on that staff with him, but Andy Reid's the guy. And if he's not around to kind of, you know, put all this together, it could be tough. So, um, but I would say a team like Kansas city can bounce back very well. It's not like they're getting blown out. Right. Um, They're getting beat by, you know, some, some pretty interesting, you know, in some interesting ways here. So yeah, I think they're going to be okay. Um, I don't think they're going to run away with the division. No, I still think they're playoff caliber and I think they'll get there, but uh, they've got to right the ship. They've got some work to do. Interesting signing on Monday, Josh Gordon reinstated is going to, is going to sign with Kansas city that maybe he can be their The second receiver there to Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, but interesting signing there with Josh Gordon with all his off the field problems going to Kansas city. Yeah, in my opinion, uh, this is just more bad juju, if you ask me. Right. I, that's a guy I'm staying away from. Some, right. some players just aren't going to be on my roster, and that's one of them. Um, I, look, the talent is there, I guess. You know, who knows? We haven't seen him in a while. But, um, you know, to me, it's, it's Crazy. just asking a lot. And, and it becomes a distraction at a time when you don't really need that distraction. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, there'll be a lot of press about him coming in. And people won't necessarily be thinking about the fact that they're one and two, especially with Andy Reid in the hospital for a night. But, um, you know, this team doesn't need that. You've won without that. You can win without that now. That's not the reason you're losing. Right. Okay. It's it's minor details that are being missed. It's attention to detail, uh, that kind of thing. The old security, careless turnovers. Exactly. And, 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 you know, Gordon will bring you another weapon, which is great. But you know what? The guys on the team right now just have to play better football. It's that simple. Um, you know, some teams have gotten away with playing just adequate football. The Bucs did for two weeks. Right. Uh, a little bit better than adequate. I shouldn't say adequate. But the, the Chiefs haven't. So play better. That's the answer. Not bringing in another body uh, at a position where you're strong anyway. You're fine. Uh, play better. Right. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Before we get to the Bucks. Patriots on the field and all the hysteria and all the hype. Talk to me about talking with being in a room with a coach, i.e. Bill Belichick, that doesn't give you anything. You've been in a zillion locker rooms, press conferences and all that stuff. How frustrating is it for you when you ask the most basic question of a coach, whether it's Belichick or anybody else? And I know the Bucks have had their share of coaches over the years that have been tight lipped and all that. How frustrating is it for you covering the team when you can't get a basic answer out of a coach? That's very frustrating because, you know, at the end of the day, you're just looking for a coach to kind of confirm something that, that, that you believe or, or know, and uh, you're just trying to get that confirmed. And the biggest thing to me is uh, these coaches do not understand and maybe don't care that they are, uh, they're speaking, when they're speaking to us, they're speaking to the fans. Sure. And to me, it's disrespectful to the people that are paying your salary uh, and making this thing work for you when you can't give us some basic information, I'm not asking you to give up the game plan. I'm not sure. asking you to tell me, 
you know, where you're going to line up, uh, you know, this player and that player on, on Sunday afternoon. I don't you have to tell me that stuff, but these basic, uh, you know, answers playing with the media, it's like, come on, we've all got a job to do here. And don't ever forget when you're talking to a reporter, you're talking to the fans. And um, I, I, I really, we were fortunate in Tampa as, as tough as some guys were uh, Greg Shiano in particular, a couple others. Um, nobody was as bad as Belichick. Belichick, <laughs> just, you know, in fact, it was kind of funny. I, I, he, he did an interview with uh, somebody this past week. Maybe it was Jimmy Johnson, I think. And it was funny. Jimmy Johnson asked him a question. And you know what? It was the same BS answer, a cliche. You know, we just got to get better and this, that, and the other. And it was just like, that's his answer. You know, I, you, you kind of get to a point where I wouldn't even ask, well, why bother? You're not going to get an answer. Right. Um, so why even bother asking him questions? It's really a waste of my time to go in there and sit with him for five or 10 minutes and have people try to drag something out of him when he's not going to give you anything anyway. So, um, you know, I think there's probably a way to deal with guys like that. And the way to deal with them is basically ignore them and say, you know what, we got nothing. And, uh, and the sad that. part is you hear, that works. you hear off the field that behind the scenes, he's a pretty, he's a pretty gregarious guy with the players and he's pretty funny and he's got some personality away from the field in certain situations, but he's just so such a jerk and it's on purpose. It's not like he's, I mean, it's a totally on purpose deal. Why he does that. I just don't get it. Yeah. And, and my answer to that is that he's just, you know, he's this different guy off the field is yeah. So what, guess what? Nobody's going to see him off the field. Right. First of all, he's going to spend 18 hours at the building. All right. Down in his bunker, watching tape or doing whatever he does. Cause you know, these guys are, are, are workaholics beyond belief. And uh, you know, they always think that, you know, if I, if I just work five more minutes, you know, <laughs> uh, and make it a 19 hour day, well, somebody, they, at least they can't say I didn't work hard enough. So right. You know, they're all so small-minded in that regard that they can't figure that part out. You know, Tony Dungy had it right. Uh, Steve Spurrier, believe it or not, uh, had yep. it. Yep. Uh, those coaches can figure it. You can get this job. You know, it's football, okay? It's football. You can get it done in eight hours a day. If yeah. you can't, you're probably not that smart. Right. You know, you might be football smart, but maybe not really smart anyway. So, you know, the fact that he, maybe he's interesting off the field, yeah, that's great. But you know what? 99.9%, in fact, of the 55 or 60,000, let's say 62,000 people show, showed up in Foxborough for the next game, 61,999 are probably never going to encounter Bill Belichick away from the, the football field. And so what he's like off the field doesn't matter. Right. He's a football coach. And those right. people care about, you know, is how is this guy that, that you know, I, I bleed Patriot blue, you know, or Patriot red, whatever it might be. They want to know, do, you know, do I need to go to this game this weekend? Well, you know, let me know. Is this tight end going to play? Is, is the quarterback okay? You know, are, are we okay as a team? What's happening here? And um, I, I just think that, look, it's, it's not hard. It's communicate. It's just talking football, right? If you can't talk football as a football coach, maybe you shouldn't be a head coach. And again, I look, I get it. Bill Belichick's got a bunch of rings. All right. Yeah. I think it's thanks to Tom Brady, right. but, uh, He's got a bunch of rings because all of a sudden, well, Bill Belichick don't look so smart. <laughs> You're right. So when you when you when you dealt with coaches, I I Shiano staff, was it much easier to get information out of the assistants? Were those guys much more willing, or the trainers or the equipment guys, to give you information that you needed and the personnel guys that you needed? 
Well, as a, as a as a reporter, you have to have you have to be able to develop sources, and, and it could be uh, an assistant coach, it could be a you know someone else in the front office, could be players, um, it could be the head coach, you know. So also, but maybe just not on the record. Maybe right. it's uh, or maybe it's just not for for attribution or something like that. Right. Um, did a lot of that with guys. You know, uh, general manager is always uh, important. Um, but yeah, when 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 you have a coach like that. Um, yeah, you've got to work a little bit harder. You've got to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, you're getting the information from somewhere, somehow, some way. And you got to, you know, the hard part is figuring out, okay, which one of these guys is going to talk? Because um, usually when you have a coach like that, there's kind of a mandate that goes around the building uh, saying, you know, I'm the, yeah. I'm the spokesperson here. No one else talks. Um, but you do have guys who have personalities, who, who are comfortable with the media, not afraid to talk. Um, it's, again, it's one of the great things about Tony Dungy is he encouraged not just his players, but all of his coaches yep. to talk to the media yep. because he wanted them to become head coaches. Right. So, you know, w- w- when we had a chance to talk to Mike Tomlin as a as the coach of the secondary, we were getting great information. Mike Tomlin was basically kind of preparing for the time when he'd be a head coach. Right. Same with Rod Marinelli. Um, same with Monty Kiffin, although he never became the head coach. Yep. Uh, guys like that, Joe Barry, you know. People who had that opportunity. Lovey uh, Smith. Yeah, exactly. Lovey Smith. Perfect example. Herm Edwards. Um, yeah. The, I mean, they were, they, were, they were all over the place. These guys were not afraid to talk. They were free to talk. Right. Because Tony Dungy wanted them to talk because he was smart enough to know that these guys aren't going to say something that's going to give away our game plan. Right. You have to be able to trust these people. You know, there's something inside a person like Bill Belichick who can't trust his coaches right. to say the right thing when they talk to the media. It's a controlling gene of some kind, a lack of trust, who knows what it is, but it's a fault. And, 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 you know, eventually that stuff kind of catches up to you at some point in your life when he's out of football, he'll, you know, one he'll, of the regret, he'll regret it. He'll regret are, it. He'll probably regret yeah, it. He, he probably will. He'll probably look back at some point very late in his life uh, and, and say, you know, probably could have handled that a little bit different because this is going to be, this is my legacy. Right. Yeah. All those rings, it, it, that's going to be 90% of it, but then it's going to be, but you know what? He's a jerk. And especially yeah. when a guy like him has the, has the tarnishing, has some of the warts that he has with Spygate and the other things you would think he would have maybe gotten more open the last 10 years or so with the media. So he would get a little more forgiveness, but he hasn't done it. And he's being exposed now as well. I mean, look, I'm not kidding when I say <laughs> you start to wonder, yeah. maybe it was all Tom Brady, you know, because all of a sudden you take that element out and, and well, who are the Patriots? Well, they're certainly not going to run away with that division. That's for sure. He wasn't and, great in Cleveland uh, either before yeah. you know, he had Brady. The, the greatest coach is going to make it work no matter who's a quarterback. And uh, granted, he has to be, you know, somewhat talented, but, it's not like they're lacking talent at the position now. They're really not getting the job done either. So, right. um, you know, it's uh, it just tells you know makes you wonder. All right, let's get to the game. Talk to me. Have you tell me about your interactions with Brady when he was in New England? I know he didn't play the Bucks very often, but what were your interactions with Brady when he was on the other side of the ledger? Yeah, you know, the Bucks went up there a couple times uh, to practice against them uh, when Greg Schiano was the coach and. Uh, so we got to deal with Brady a little bit, mostly, you know, at Super Bowls and things like that is where I dealt with him. And look, very open guy. And uh, I'm glad that he finally got away from got un- got away from being under the thumb of Bill Belichick so we could see a little bit more of his personality. It turns out he's, you know, he's got one and uh, kind of a funny guy. And uh, it's good that we're seeing that. I, I think it's one of the reasons, I think it's rejuvenated him a little bit. I think it's one of the reasons 
he probably feels uh, a little bit younger. And uh, yep. uh, but again, he knows when to be a business guy. He knows when it's, you know, all about football. And he's so smart about the game that uh, you can learn a lot from just talking to him, talk about the basics. But, uh, you know, I, with him, it was almost always in a, in a very large group setting, certainly never had an opportunity to, you know, just do one-on-ones with them and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, big group settings, but obviously a smart guy, but we're seeing a different Tom Brady now than what we ever saw in new England. So the emotion of heading to Foxborough Sunday night out, you would hope Robert Kraft will do some kind of celebration video or some sort honoring Brady, who knows with Belichick being there, if they'll do that or not, obviously the crowd will be electric, probably will be, the highest rated regular season game probably ever, I would think, uh, certainly on NBC, you would think, but uh, just what's your, your thoughts of, of, of Brady going into that game? You think he, I mean, you think Arians is going to really let Brady let it loose or do you think it's going to be more, let's just win the game. And if we, if we get a chance to, to stick it in them a little bit, you think they're going to try to do that come Sunday night? Yeah. Well, right now, both teams just need a win. So right. outside of, you know, what's going to happen on the field, or with the, in the stands or with tributes and that kind of thing, both teams need a win here and uh, to, to kind of come off a, after coming off a bad week. So um, that's going to be foremost in everybody's mind. It would be nice if there was a tribute. Um, I don't know when it would be, uh, probably before the game, but you know you, what I think I'd like to see is maybe a, a five or 10 minute tribute prior to the game. Right. Uh, when the players are on the field, I don't know if Brady and Gronkowski would do this, but, you know, run a video, five, eight minutes. Right. Bring the players out and let the fans give them a 15-minute standing ovation and then play football. Uh, get it out. Because you are talking about two of the greatest players in the history of the game. Uh, the greatest quarterback of all time and arguably the greatest tight end of all time. And they did, you know, 99% of their great work in New England. This is their first time back. Let the fans have their moment. Let Gronkowski and Brady have their moment. Uh, everybody suck it up and uh, just do it. You know, we see it in other sports where prior to the game, you know, someone is uh, uh, someone gets a tribute. You know, it's a video and a you know a silver stick is given to him in hockey or a bat or something <laughs> right. in baseball. Do it in football. I think Brady and Gronkowski are both. I don't know if they do it. I would hope they would. Uh, for these fans, but let right. the fans have their, their 12 minutes standing ovation. And uh, which would be, to me, that would be a tremendous tribute, a 12 minute standing ovation for number 12. Uh, and, and just, just let them know how much you love them. And uh, because let's face it, uh, he's the reason you got those rings folks. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. it will be, like I said, be, it will be unbelievable theater come Sunday night in Foxborough. All right. Yeah. I know you're a baseball guy. I'll get you out of here on this. We're listening to Roy Cummings, pewterpirates.com, longtime uh, reporter for the Tampa Bay, but covered the Buccaneers for many, many years here in the Tampa Bay area. I know you're a big baseball fan. Let's talk about the Rays heading to the playoffs next week. Just your thoughts. Can they go the distance? I I thought last year when Kevin Cash made the, the, the fateful decision to pull out Snell, I didn't think they'd have a chance to be as good as they were this year. Give them full credit. They've done an unbelievable job running away with the AL East. Do you think they can go the distance here in the playoffs? Well, how can you say no? I mean, the AL East is still the AL East. The Red Sox still strong, get Chris Sale back, still can't, you know, get to the top of the mountain where the Rays right. are. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays spending money, like, you know, making sure that, I mean, you bring in Marcus Semien, you bring in, 
the, the, the guy Robbie from the Ray, the pitcher, Ryu. Yeah, bring in the pitching staff. I mean, you've done so much to build that team up. Yep. Uh, you still can't get to the mountaintop. The Yankees always making moves. Anthony Rizzo still can't get there. If the Rays can fight off the AL East, which they did, and the best of the AL East, yep. which they did, and run away with that division the way they did, absolutely they can get there. Um, they were close last year. Look, I still have issues. I don't think the pitching staff is very strong. Right, right. Um, it, it, still, it still boggles my mind how they win consistently <laughs> with the pitchers they have, but they do. Uh, they figure out a way. And, uh, you know, if they get up against uh, wh whoever it might be. Uh, They're going to probably play Boston or New York. They're going to have yeah. Boston and New York even, in the division. Yeah, even around. a team – Right. Even a team in the AL, you know, whether it's the Yankees or the Red Sox or Seattle for that matter. Right. Um, you know, let's, let's wait and see, but uh, it's not going to be an easy run. They're going to have to, they're going to have to do it. They're not going to run away with it. I don't think, but boy, can they do it? Why not? I right. mean, I'm with you when you lose, uh, you know, Morton and you lose Snell, uh, how, how do you think you're going to, you, you're going to, you're going to get back there um, hundred and win a hundred games. 100 games with Michael Waka as one of your five <laughs> starters. How does that happen? Right. How does that happen? I don't, I don't know. know. But yeah, you can win. You you can win 21 more. <laughs> I hope, I just hope the, the, the fan base comes out in these playoff games. I know obviously attendance has been a huge issue in the, in the market for a long time. Hopefully the fans will come out for these playoff games, no matter when they are during the day. Cause you know, it would just be sad if that, if that building's not full in the playoffs. Yeah, fans usually come out in the playoffs, so I'm sure they'll be there because, uh, again, it's a chance to witness something special. And it'd be, it'd be again, it'd be a great cap off to the, the whole Tom, the whole Tampa Bay mantra in the last couple of years here in the town. All right, Roy, great work, awesome work. Tell the tell the audience where they can find you and all that good stuff on social media. Uh, just find me on uh, at R Cummings FHCN. Follow me on Twitter. That's where I'm at. I don't do much on Facebook, but. Uh, uh, I tweet out during the games and uh, throughout the course of the week. That's where you find the stuff. And pewterpirates.com for some more content. Yeah, a little bit of content there as well. Awesome. Well, fantastic, Roy. Great job. Thanks for the insight. And we'll definitely check back with you as we move through the football season. Glad to do it, Jason. See you, see you next time, Roy. Thank you. We'll be Thank right you. back. All right. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. You just heard from... Roy Cummings, we did some NFL previews, some storylines heading into week four, and obviously the epic Buccaneer-Patriot matchup. And now we're going to hit the college circuit with Vince Ferrara. Vince is from 99.1, the sports animal in Knoxville, Tennessee. Vince is going to get – we're going to talk lots of SEC football. We're going to hit a couple topics around the country. And uh, Vince is uh, part of the Vols Network. He hosts on 99.1. The Sports Animal does lots of content, video content work, and covers all things Tennessee and the SEC. So welcome back to the podcast, Vince. Matt, appreciate it. Great to be on with you, Jason. Awesome, man. Awesome. First of all, how's the high school football season going up there for you? Man, it's flying by. It happens every year. You know, you anticipate and you're like, oh, man, when's this going to start? And when it gets here, it is absolutely downhill on a slide. But it's a lot of fun. We've had some crazy games down on the wire. Uh, the level of high school football here has really picked up in the state, uh, definitely in Nashville with the explosion of 
population there, but it's increased. There's more of those FBS kind of guys that are yeah. in this area too. So um, been a lot of fun, really competitive games. The former Tennessee offensive line coach, Adam Mahoney, uh, who is here under Butch Jones. He is my color analyst. He's awesome. And then just absolutely has a passion for it. So all those are podcasted on our website, 991thesportsanimal.com. Just look for the shows tab, high school football, and they're all in there commercial free podcasted. Our family of stations, we do four games a week. So pretty awesome going well. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. All right, let's get to the SEC, I want to get some hits some SEC topics, then we'll hit a couple national topics. Okay. It is the Saban Kiffin Bowl this week in Tuscaloosa <laughs> on Saturday. The uh, first meeting between the two coaches since, you know, Lane Kiffin was, you know, was dumped right before the national championship game a few years back. Just your thoughts on Kiffin coming to Tuscaloosa with a pretty good team, got a really good quarterback at Matt Corral. How do you, how do you see this matchup in Tuscaloosa Saturday? Boy, this is going to be so much fun. I mean, obviously the Lane Kiffin storyline there and loved on the Manning cast with Peyton and Eli. They had Nick Saban on there and, you know, Eli's getting information from, from Saban to, that, that he posed like he was getting it as an informant for Lane Kiffin. I mean, all that <laughs> stuff. That Manning cast has just been absolute gold as a, as a, you've probably already yes. talked about. But, man, it, it's just um, – it's so – cool to to see this matchup lane kiffin is a guy that tennessee fans wanted before the josh heifel hire hugh freeze is another one with old miss ties that tennessee fans wanted but you know kiffin once was the most hated guy now i think with his personality how uh fun his teams are and then they're actually winning I, i think he's really turned a lot of people's opinion around Uh, on him and the key for them this year Jason is they have improved their defense yeah and that they were awful last year and that that was something that he didn't shy away from but they at least have so they're competitive now a big part of that is Chance Campbell who is a transfer that came in from Maryland and he knows what to do he handles their calls he's been huge for them but they've improved on a lot of layers a guy that Tennessee had a commitment from and Lakia Henry at one point he's one of their starting outside linebackers so um, they've improved enough on that side of the ball to where with that offense and who I think is the best quarterback in the country and Matt Corral this this is a legit threat not only for uh, Alabama in this game but in the SEC West I don't often do this during the regular season because it is such usually easy money to pick Alabama, but I think I'm going with Ole Miss in the upset. And here's another thing. Uh, Obviously, Alabama had uh, the close uh, win against Florida, and everyone criticized them. I was not phased at all about Alabama. I still think they're the best team. I still think they're going to win it all. But even when they do that, they don't always win all of their games. Right. So I think with Ole Miss's offense that they bring to the table, Kiffin's familiarity with them, and the fact that Bryce Young is still a little bit young, and then Alabama, I think they're going to be a good rushing team before the year is up, but that's something that they haven't been able to do consistently right. enough. 
And look, that may, the running game may go out the window in this game if it's a, just an absolute shootout in the 50s. First one um, to 50 wins. First one to they, 50. There you go. I, I, I'd sign up, keep going if we want, because I think <laughs> this game is going to be that much fun. But I, I think that's where it could be a little bit uh, more difficult for Alabama is not having that balance and putting all that on Bryce Young right out of the gate. And, and Ole Miss is so very balanced. Um, just terrific skill players. They can run the ball, uh, uh, underrated at running the ball. Macaral brings you the running and the throwing. Right. I think, I just think it's a, it's the perfect time for Ole Miss. And here's another thing. When Alabama loses during a regular season, if they lose that one game every once in a while, it's at home. Yeah. It's not, it's not on the road. You're right. So I think, I think all those, the perfect storm, all those things fall into place. I'm not saying Ole Miss is going to win the West in the conference, but, man, this this changes the dynamic of the entire SEC season. I like Ole Miss in the upset in a fun shootout. Nice. I like that. They And, and remember, Ole Miss is coming off a bye week, too, so they've had two weeks right. to get ready. You know, not that Alabama had a tough game last week with Southern Miss, but you right. had to play, and Bama's a little nicked up at running back. Brian Robinson for them is a little is questionable. They've had a couple of defensive injuries with a couple of their pretty good defensive players. So, and they've been, and like you said, the Florida game showed that they're a little vulnerable on defense. And again, Matt Corral, the offensive play calling of Lane Kiffin, the familiarity, you're right. It sets up for a very good game Saturday afternoon in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. And obviously beautiful atmosphere there. It's going to be so much fun. And, um, I, I just think that the off week before is a great point for them. And not only, not only for the rest of the players, because they, they only had a couple of weeks beforehand. So it's not a massive deal like those open weeks late in the year, but it gives Lane Kiffin more time to get in that yep. science lab yep. and figure some stuff out. So, like I said, I'm not, I wasn't, I didn't overreact to that Florida game because that team always gets better as the year goes on. Right. I just think sort of the stars align and Lane Kiffin, I think has the, that may be the third, I do think Ole Miss is the third best team in the SEC right there with Florida. I think it's Ole Miss and Florida three and four, obviously Alabama and Georgia one and two, but that doesn't mean that in this situation that Ole Miss can't win. And uh, I'm going with them. There you go. That's I, I like that. I like that call. Let's head to Fayetteville. Huge win for Sam Pittman and the Razorbacks. I mean, this team has kind of come from nowhere. Not that we didn't think they had some good players, but nobody thought they'd be number eight in the country heading to Georgia this week. What a win for, for the Arkansas program in Dallas, beating Jimbo Fisher in the, in the Aggies. What a rise for Sam Pittman. Just kind of an old-school way of doing it, kind of the old-school Nick Saban eye formation. Obviously, they, they play spread, and they got a, they got a good – but the, the ascension of the defense – KJ yeah. Jefferson at quarterback and just the physical play that Arkansas is showing. What a job by Sam Pittman so far. Oh, that entire coaching staff is good as it gets right now in the way they've gotten the most out of that roster. That is not a five-star littered roster. You know, they have some four stars here and there, but you go back and look at their recruiting rankings. They don't have the best of the best in terms of high school talent, but man, they are coaching the heck out of that team from the the way they're motivated and how hard they play. Look at them on defense, the way they swarm to the football. They're fast, and they hit you hard. They play with physicality. 
Barry Odom has done an unreal job with that defense and their coverages. Barry Odom and obviously had some success at Mizzou. The former Missouri head coach. Yep. Right. Missouri head coach. Yep. But man, his strength is being a witch as a defensive coordinator. And we are seeing that just the the way they've impacted them. the, The biggest thing for me is how hard they play how hard they hit you. So uh, that's been so impressive. And you mentioned on offense, they do have an old school physicality to them, but Kendall Bryles, he's still getting them into modern types of formations in football. Right. Things that some NFL coordinators can't figure out. Like you might want to motion a guy here and there so you can help dictate some coverage for your quarterback just different things like that and he is he they're blending some of those modern traits of offense to help from a scheme standpoint and beating defenses while still playing physical balance football Uh, again good skill players and then any of these teams that are having success right now you gotta have qb1 and KJ Jefferson has done a really nice job. That was a question mark. Yep. Saw potential in him. He won the quarterback gig, and he's done a nice job. Now, who knows on his health? That's nice. something that could uh, we'll we'll see uh, how it plays out. But man, uh, they're playing really, really well. And and Sam Pittman, you know, he's been here at Tennessee as well, and obviously he's going back to Georgia where he had so right. much success right. as an O line coach. Um, he's just really likable and, and it, he remember he started as a coach going into a COVID year. I mean, you thought any of these first year coaches going into 2020, how in the world, when you can't work with all these teams, all your players during all this and how, how is that going to work? And then everyone's saying all oh, the schedule with Arkansas, they still were really competitive last year, had a mm-hmm. bunch of close losses. And now they're undefeated going to Georgia. They're worthy of their ranking based yeah. on who they've beaten and went yeah. over Texas. And then last A&M. week, A&M. Yeah, and and I, that didn't surprise me, honestly. A couple things. One, the quarterback play at A&M right. is not what right. it's supposed to be. But Arkansas's physicality is um, was something that I thought could give A&M some problems at the line of scrimmage. So I, I don't think they're going to win this game. But man, I you know I, I think I think this will be a probably a closer game. I agree than the than the points, but in that schedule will take its toll on Arkansas it eventually. And maybe it'll start this week, but um, man, that's legit what they're getting out of that roster in Fayetteville. Two things: nobody had ever heard of Sam Pittman when he got hired. He was probably the fourth or fifth candidate, honestly. Yeah. For the job in Arkansas, again, nobody had ever really heard of him. They knew he was a good offensive line coach and all that, but as far as being a head coach, candidate, he has built an unbelievable culture, it sounds like, where it's a total buy-in from the everybody in the program, everybody in the state of Arkansas is behind this these guys now. They believe that they're kind of a, a hard-working, rugged, grinded-out kind of team. And here's one thing I heard Gary Danielson mention yesterday. He had all 11 fifth-year seniors – he talked 11 fifth-year seniors to come back this year for a sixth year because of the COVID. They got the free year of eligibility because of COVID. All five of them, all 11 of them, fifth-year guys, came back and are playing for a sixth year. So he has a veteran-laden team of the guys that are there. It makes such a big difference, and that's a great point, Jason. And, look, teams that weren't under 
uh, under the gun in terms of scholarship numbers if they weren't under the 85. Right. And they can add those super seniors on top of that. You know, for example, if they were a true 85 and they have those 11 super seniors are basically operating with 96 scholarship guys. Right. right. You know what Tennessee has? Tennessee has 78 counting super seniors. Wow. Like they're under and they're counting super seniors and they're only at 78. Right. Which, and, and that's a big difference talking about almost 20 scholarship players difference. That's where so, the depth, depth, depth and competition. 100%, 100%. So it, it's a, it's a huge advantage. So, uh, and then the, you mentioned the key and that's the, the culture for them. Um, they're, they believe in him. He's likable. Um, and, you know, just really impressed by what they're, what they're doing now, Georgia, obviously sure. they're as good as it gets defensively yep. in the country, as long as they leave JT Daniels in there and they don't try to go yo-yo a quarterback. Um, uh, they're, they're a threat to Alabama too. Now, uh, they're that good on what they did to Vanderbilt. But, Georgia, but, but I'll say this, the, the reason this game could be semi-competitive is because Georgia's not a juggernaut on offense. They're, they're good, but they're not great. So right. if Arkansas, if Barry Odom can keep his team in the game and get that game to the fourth quarter in Athens, you never know. No, absolutely. And look, if they had not been already in a slugfest, then I think this would be even more dangerous for Georgia. But that Clemson game with right. all the hype, right. it was a one-position game throughout uh, and Clemson's obviously not as good as they were thought to be at the time, but Georgia's been challenged a little yes, bit already. Yes. So I think that will pay dividends in this game. Should Arkansas have a fast start? Let's head to Clemson. I want to get a couple national stories, Oklahoma and Clemson struggles, especially Clemson. Let's go to Clemson first. Nobody thought they'd have two losses in September. I mean, the offense has just been stagnant. There's been no continuity. I don't know if DJ Ugalele is not just not as good as we thought he was, or if it's just a whole picture of the offense, but lots of struggles in Clemson, South Carolina. Man, Jason, you don't get that kind of drop off without multiple things. I know it's the easy thing to do. I'm not saying you're doing this, but yeah. it's easy for people to say, it's this, it's this guy, it's this. It's never one thing. Right. It, for you to have that kind of drop off, uh, it, it there's multiple things in place. It's, the, the quarterback and not playing, not playing loose like he did when he came in for Trevor Lawrence last year, when he looked so relaxed and just let it go. He didn't have the talent around him that he did. He did, he did get Justin Ross, a, a super potential first round pick receiver back, but I don't know that he is back to what he was. They don't have that elite back that they did in Travis Etienne. So and, and their offensive line is a little shakier than it has yes. been also. So then that changes how a kid reacts in the moment when he doesn't have guys to sort of help bail him out and help him feel relaxed and just let it go. Um, and then I'm not sure if that coaching staff is, has been coaching him or that team to their strengths or, or figure out things that they can do better than others. Sometimes you want to stick to your playbook and just give them the confidence to see how it goes and it doesn't work out, but man, um, it, and it's impacting them on the defensive side too, uh, because they're, they haven't been quite as stout after looking so good against Georgia. So, and they've been ravaged a, by injury. They had some, had some injury issues to their key players, especially on defense. 
Yeah, and and that D line, especially littered with five stars, that right. was supposed to be as dominant a unit as we saw, and they were that good in against Georgia. But it's it's taking its toll after that. So really disappointing. I mean, this is going to be a test for for Dabo. People are going to want to see. All right, everything's been easy for you because of all this talent. What are you going to do now when things get uh, get difficult for you? Are you going to do like some of those disappointing USC teams did a number of years ago where everyone would think, oh, preseason national champs, they lose two or three games in regular season. But then at the end, they play so well, they were ascending so much. You thought, man, no one would want to play them. They might be one of the best teams in the country right. despite a few losses. We'll see if they have that kind of turnaround late in the year. That's right. That's right. All right. Uh, one more ACC note, then, we'll, we'll, then I'll get you out of here. One more thing. What a disaster the ACC has turned into. They thought Carolina and Clemson were going to be the two elite teams, both of them now with two losses. Both of them are out of any kind of national championship hunt. And really, they're both out of the they, – they both – neither may not even make the ACC championship. You got NC State playing really well. You got Virginia Tech playing okay. You know, just your thoughts on, on the ACC probably going to be out of the mix in the, in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, because look, it's been uh, the, like you mentioned, the best teams are underperforming. I mean, your most consistent team has been Wake Forest. Yeah. So, I mean, good luck trotting them out there. <laughs> I'm not saying they're not playing really well, but good luck from a rating standpoint, from a committee, playoff committee standpoint, and putting them side by side with teams with a loss that have a, a track record. Right. You're, not going to happen. Gonna, that ain't right. going to happen. I mean, even some of the other teams that are doing well, Virginia Tech has been inconsistent. They're, they have a NC State. NC State might be the team that, from a conference perspective, could win the conference. Yeah, but but then they looked terrible against Mississippi State. I thought <laughs> I picked them to win that game, and they were horrible, but then right. they bounced back against Clemson. Boston College is another undefeated team. That was a nice win over an okay Missouri team, not right. a great Missouri team, but hey, they're four and zero. Right. Um, and then, and I saw Pitt with my own two eyes, and I thought Pitt was a decent team, not an elite team, a decent team. Right. And they go and lose to Western Michigan the week after that. Right. I mean, Georgia Tech has looked horrible, but then they had the win last week over North Carolina. North Carolina is as big a, a surprise for right. me as there is in the country in underperforming with Todd Chandler, the former Tennessee running back, Sam Howell. I mean, I just thought that they would be so much better. We talked to Mac Brown in the off season too, in an interview, just uh, in Miami, I'm not because Miami, they underachieve every year. And, right. and I'm, I just don't buy that, but you're right. It is a mess. Uh, I don't see a path for them to get in at all. Maybe one of the biggest games of the week coming up. We got Cincinnati. Who's kind of that, Outside the, that non-power five team heads to South Bend. The Irish with a big win over the weekend against Wisconsin. You know they they they've been they've been I won't say skating by, but, but up until the Wisconsin game, they've been kind of squeaking by a little bit. A big win at Wisconsin on the neutral field up in Chicago. This is Cincinnati's chance. If you want to get in the national title hunt, you got to win this game. If you're Luke Fickle. Absolutely. And, you know, they have a win over uh, an, a pretty decent Indiana team yep. already. So, uh, you know, you start stocking, stacking those up. That's where you can really 
make uh, some hay in that committee room when they're comparing resumes and things like that. If you beat one team and then your conference right. schedule isn't that great, that's different. But man, what an opportunity for Cincinnati. Love their quarterback. Uh, I, I think they have Moxie, big fan of Luke Fickle. This might be it for, for him at Cincinnati. Yeah, there might be somebody think. throwing a lot of millions at him after this one, especially if they were able to be Notre Dame. Yep. Um, I, I, I think Notre Dame is going to be a little bit too good for them at the line of scrimmage, though. Right. They're not, they're not overly flashy, but, man, um, ter- terrific at the line of scrimmage. They always put – players into the league and you know they, they could run the ball you know uh, cones availability is um you know is a factor uh, i don't know where they stand in terms of his his health but man tyron right. williams is a stud running back um I, and and they're so good at the line of scrimmage i still give notre dame the edge in that one but i also wouldn't be shocked uh, because Cincinnati has so much confidence and a lot to play for. And give Brian Kelly credit. He just pat, he just became the all-time winningest coach at Notre Dame. He's done a sneaky great job at Notre Dame. People, you know, you think Notre Dame, he's done a hell of a job the last seven, eight years at Notre Dame to get them back into the national relevance as far as the playoffs and all that stuff. Last thing I'll get you out of here. Yep. What do you think the what do you think the uh the scuttlebutt, the the, the rumor, rumor mill is about USC? Who do you who do you like in the USC coaching? vacancy wow i think it's probably going to be someone not one of these big names usc seems to always be connected with big names urban meyer bob stoops uh, go on and on um you know people are like hey maybe kellen moore or the cowboys are going to usc it, it, eric Bieniemy. i mean he's right. on and on with the big names i i my guess is based on that athletic department that they're not going to go with a flashy name. I think they're going to go with someone you know, maybe that there's a relationship with, uh, with the athletic director, um, some, you know, maybe, maybe a USC tie that doesn't have the long track record, but I, I don't know exactly who that is, but I think, I think everyone's chasing their tail with all of these big names because you want to you want to match the 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 flashy big name program with a lot of history with the big names and see how that power play goes I, i'm i'm any any thinking. i'm gonna throw a name any chance yeah. your boy lane kiffin gets an opportunity to go <laughs> back there he's he's matured you know he seems to have righted himself you know off the field and all that stuff any chance that happens I don't think so. Obviously Lane would know, but I, I don't think, I think he's matured. I think he's still smart. I think if he does leave for another gig or a bigger gig, I don't see him going back into that same situation where he was before and what the school did to him once before, just because your ex-girlfriend wants to get back together with you doesn't mean (laughs) that you automatically have to go. You, especially if you have options and you're looking good and feeling good. So uh, that's the best way I can put it. I, I, I don't, I don't see lane 2.0 or 3.0 at USC. I just don't see that going down. Well, brother, you're looking good and you're feeling good. 99.1, the sports animal, check out Vince online. He, he does, he hosts, he does some high school football in the Knoxville area. Keep up the great work, my man. Tell everybody where they can find you guys on Twitter and uh, where all your content is. 
Yeah, I appreciate it. Exes don't come calling. I got options. (laughs) (laughs) Not as many as Lane. Oh, let me put it that way. Uh, Appreciate it. At Vince Sports on Twitter, V-I-N-C-E Sports. And then our website, man, we have so much on Tennessee. Uh, Vols coming off of the loss to the Florida Gators, looking to bounce back against Missouri this weekend. And these are the kind of games that's going to determine what Tennessee season, how it's going to be judged. Not Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. These are the games that are winnable that we'll find out more about Hypel and the staff. So tons on the Vols. I do SEC football predictions with the spread and straight up, NFL predictions with the spread and straight up. Uh, tons of content my, in the blog section, 991thesportsanimal.com and on my YouTube channel as well. Great to be I know you're a Tampa guy, so give me a quick Tom Brady, Buccaneer, Patriots. Yeah, I uh, it I wasn't surprised. I actually picked, no offense to our guy TJ Reeves, I thought this is sort of another perfect storm situation where I picked the Rams to win last week. Yeah. But look, they're absolutely going to bounce back. I think they're going to win in New England, and they're going to be just fine. That whole undefeated talk, I think, was silliness. Um, they're going to have one of the best records in the league when it's all said and done in the regular season and be right there for the Super Bowl. But undefeated stuff, there's not that much of a gap with them and everyone else. So they'll be absolutely fine. Going to make sure Gronk is healthy. But uh, Bucks will bounce back against the Patriots. All right, Vince. We'll keep up the great work, my man. We'll, we'll talk to you later in the football season. And uh, have a great weekend. All right, you too. Thanks, Chase. Thanks, buddy. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at JPOSports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.